for a Bible quiz. Praise the Lord for the kids' ministry ministries that we have going at Portview. And uh, um, it's what it's all about. It's all about raising godly kids for Jesus and, and passing this thing on to the next generation. I'm not going to fall for the or believe the lies of the devil saying that, that kids aren't going to want to serve God anymore and that 80% of our kids walk out the door of, of their homes and never come back. That's not going to happen to our kids. Amen? It's not going to happen. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that it doesn't happen. Um, one of the ways we can make sure that happens is we doesn't happen is we all get involved where we belong in ministry. Right? And uh, we have a class that's starting next Wednesday um, that Eric and Anna Hansen will be teaching. I don't know if Eric and Anna, are they here today? And you know what, Eric? I concluded something. I think we scared them last week by saying that if you're going to even miss one day, you can't come. And so we were really saying, we know this is a class that a lot of people are going to take. And I had lots of people come and talk to me and say, Pastor Mark, I want to do this class, but I'm going to be gone on vacation this one week. You know what? We have room for 15 people in this class. It's discovering your gifts, and it's more than just discovering your gifts. Eric described it last week. Um, if you want to sign up for that, and you say, I'm going to be on vacation for a week this winter, we understand that. Eric's giving the thumbs up. We, we have, I think we have like only four or five people signed up so far, and the reason we put those parameters on there is we thought everybody's going to sign up. And so we know a lot of you have talked to me about it and said, well, I could if I wasn't going to be on vacation for a week. Obviously, if you're gone on something like that, you can still sign up. And so sign up for that. That's starting next Wednesday. It's going to be a great class. We have a great class starting Wednesday. And you know what? I want to make a plug for Wednesday night. Um, adults, you know what? We do a great job of bringing kids to church on Wednesday night, but not a lot of us adults are here. I mean, a lot are teaching. Pastor, Pastor Bruce told me he, says he couldn't believe the amount of adult teachers we have working with kids in the church. It's phenomenal. It's great. You know, in 20 years of pastoring experience, you've seen the opposite, right? So have I. And so that's phenomenal. But um, we have really good classes. We have this one that Eric's going to be teaching. Pastor Bruce teaches an adult Bible study. Um, that's, uh, we're doing, is it Philippians coming up for this quarter? It's going to be wonderful. We have a Financial Peace University class starting. And so, um, you know what? Be here on Wednesday nights because that's our Christian education night. We teach our kids. We teach our adults. And so I'll be here. One thing before I preach, because it's a family service today. You never have these, uh, these flashback moments? Something happens, you have this flashback? My kids' entire lives in church. Suzanne's always played the keyboard. And so I've always sat in the front row with one boy on either side of me. And when they were little, they'd always hold my hands. And when they, I would let them do it. When they wanted to raise their hands, they'd raise their hands and we'd worship together. And so always my had a kid on either side of me. And it was just wonderful. Well, you know, kids grow up. And Josh turned, I think, nine, started playing the drums in church. So suddenly I only had a kid on one side of me holding my hand anymore. So I was a little lopsided. But then Brett got a little bigger. And uh, he started doing pro presenter and all different ministries in the church. And he moved on. And this morning, having a family service before church, Brett walked up and said, Do you want me to sit by you? And I said, well, I do, of course I want you to sit by me. And I just had this, this flashback moment of how wonderful it has been to raise my children sitting in the front row of the church with one on either side of me, raising their hands, worshiping God during worship, and then watching them grow up and mature and begin to use their gifts and abilities for the Lord in different areas of ministry. And friends, that's one of the reasons we brought you all together today. Kids, you know, some of you are you know, used to going to, to kids' church if you're in grade school, and uh, today you're in here. But you know why we brought you in here today? Because we really believe it's a valuable investment of your time to be sitting between mom and dad. 
to be worshiping God with the adults today. And you know what? When we scheduled this service, we sat and we talked about it and we said, should we dumb it down for the kids? In a sense, we make it a kid's service. And Pastor Paul said, like this, no, <laughs> these kids don't need it. These kids need to be challenged. We need to bring them right into our service. He called it Big People's Church. So I guess I'm a big person. Into Big People's Church. And they need, to, they need to experience what we experience because it's life-changing. And so kids, I'm really glad that you're in here with us today. And I'm hoping you've been enjoying worshiping God um, with us old people. And, uh, um, and I believe that this message that I'm going to preach today, and I'm going to start talking about it, I really believe it's for all of us. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I did not intend this to be directed towards children. But moms and dads, you're going to say, thank you for saying this to my kids today. Part of what we're going to talk about today. And so, um, and when I start off, you're going to go, why are my kids going to be interested in that? Hang on, you're going to find out. And so, what we're going to do today is I'm going to start a four-part series that I have been, four weeks, that I have been feeling from the Lord very strongly impressed for months now. Matter of fact, probably almost a year, that I need to spend time talking about this subject. And it's especially important because of the day that we live in, the culture that we live in, and the state of our economy today. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about living a life where we achieve financial freedom. And you say, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. You're going to find out today and through the rest of these weeks that the Bible is absolutely gives energy to the topic of money and stewardship and finances. And you're going to find out that finances are an incredibly spiritual thing. That, um, that God um, understands that we think about and utilize money every day of our lives and that you kids are growing up. How many of you kids get allowance or earn money through a job? Some of you do. You can raise your hand. That's all right. Okay. Guess what? You think about money. Adults, any of you think about money ever? Ever cross your mind? All right, we took an offering today. It crossed your mind. It's every single day part of our lives, and it's, a, it's an issue that I think, as a church world, we absolutely need to have the view of God when it comes to finances. Because we live in a culture that tells us all kinds of things about finance, and I really believe that God, His perspective is often just a little bit different than what you see on the news or you watch on you know, TV at night or here on the radio. And so we're going to get, over the next four weeks, God's perspective. You're going to see in a minute where we're going to start. You're going to go, that doesn't deal with finance. It does. So hang on with me. But I want to quote somebody to you today that that, um, um, really influenced me on this topic of finance. And is a a pastor that many of you are familiar with. um, Pastors down in the, the Chicago area, Bill Hybels. He says this about money. He says, we go to school to become equipped to earn it. Then we spend almost the rest of our lives, 40 to 60 hours a week, actually earning it. We invest countless hours in thought and discussion on how we're going to handle it. We walk around shopping malls determining how we're going to spend it. We get caught up more often than we would care to admit worrying that we won't have enough of it. We dream and scheme to figure out ways to acquire more of it. Arguments over it are among the leading causes of marital disintegration, business partner breakup, the government shutdowns, Despair over losing it causes suicides. The obsession with getting it causes many of society's crimes. The absence of it causes many of society's nightmares. Some call it the root of all evil. Some call it the means for great good. But we cannot afford to ignore the reality or the importance 
of money. And I think Hybels hits the nail on the head. And friends, it's not only that he hits the nail on the head, the Bible hits the nail on the head. Matter of fact, in my opinion, I think the Bible is the best guidebook on money and money management ever written. Do you understand that there are almost 2,000 passages in the Bible that refer to the use of money? And that Jesus himself, when he taught, and he taught in his parables, that two-thirds of Jesus' parables make some reference to money. And so, friends, obviously God thinks it's an important topic. And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to use the Bible as our guidebook to learn what God thinks about money. And as we go through this series, it's not going to be my intention to just simply impart some Bible knowledge to you, although that's incredibly important. But rather, I want to help us gain a godly perspective about finances. And I want us, um, I want us to, to be given some guidelines um, and some principles that will help us to live lives of financial freedom. And you see, this is what I know about finance. I don't even know this, but in my past life, a million years ago, um, I was a, a financial planner. I was a licensed stockbroker. Um, that's what I did. My, my, uh, I was saved, but that was my goal to be this rich businessman. And, and so I pursued those, those goals. And, and, uh, and so I've always had a, a mind looking at finance. And as a pastor now for 20 years, I've talked to hundreds of people about their real life situations. And one thing that always pops up or often pops up is the topic of finance. And I found that as I deal with real people who come to church with smiles on their face on Sunday mornings, um, that often behind those smiles we find people who are bound by financial chains. That maybe it's debt, and that debt is holding you down, and that's been, that's been revealed to you more than you ever thought it would be in the economy that we're in today. That no one expected our economy to collapse the way it did. No one expected us to go through this difficulty. And all of a sudden you've come to the realization that maybe debt has is, is got too big in your life and it's holding you down. Or an obsession with more stuff has caused or is causing you problems. That the need to always get more and more and more has put you in a situation where now you find yourself feeling like you're bound. Well, friends, I want to tell you something. God wants us to be financially free. Where the, whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. Does that just mean spiritually? I don't believe so. I believe it means in every single area of our lives. That includes our finances. God wants us to be free. Now, I didn't say God wants us to be wealthy. Now, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. And I really hope and pray that if you can handle it, you all become wealthy. Some, some of us cannot handle being wealthy. Some of us, and Scripture is very clear, wealth would drive us from God. And if that's the case, I pray that you're not, you don't never become wealthy. I pray that I don't become wealthy if it tears me from God. But you know what? It, I didn't say that God wants us to be wealthy. I said God wants us to be free. You know, and I also know in a room this size that some of you here have achieved a measure of financial freedom. You're in a position in your life where you've made good choices, you've lived godly principles, and you've achieved a measure of financial freedom. And maybe for this, for you, this series will do a couple things. First, it will reinforce for you the, the desire to maintain that freedom that you've accomplished. And maybe you need to reevaluate a bit because this world's kind of out of control right now. now you'll maintain that. But also, I hope it will do something else. I hope it will inspire you to maybe even be more strategic um, with how you use your money for good purposes. Because I really believe something. I think the Bible is going to bear it out. God loves to bless His children. But He loves to bless His children so His children can be a blessing. 
I really believe that. I think God loves to pour out finances into our lives so that we can pour out those finances into other things and then God pours more in and we give more out. I really believe that's um, how, how God works. So, today, I want us to begin by looking at our first topic in our series. And it's a topic that you probably wouldn't have jumped to if I said let's talk about finances and it's a topic of this. It's a topic of work. W-O-R-K. Work. You know, um, we want to talk, start talking about that. Do you understand something? Work is not a four-letter word. Now, it is a four-letter word, right? You kids understand what that means? People say, use the term a four-letter word. They mean a swear word. You know, say, that's a four-letter word. And sometimes I think in our culture, we look at work as a four-letter word, but it's not. Um, you know, the question, why start with work? And it's this. This is the reason why. But if we're going to talk about financial freedom, we've got to start at the very foundation. Understand that financial freedom starts with finances. Right? And that finances come... From work. Because you know what? I found something to be true over my life. Not many of us inherit fortunes. You guys all holding out to inherit a fortune? I'm telling you what, I gave up on that a long time ago. I'm not going to inherit a fortune. And believe it or not, God is not in the business of magically materializing money for His people. Could he do some miraculous financial things? He can, and he does. And I've been a recipient of it a number of times, of miraculous financial provision. But you know what? God isn't in the business of generally financing our lives through miraculous financial provision. No, God intends for his people to earn money by working. And I want to start here because working is something that occupies the majority of our awake time, whether you like it or not. We spend a ton of our effort working. So we should have a proper biblical view um, about work. Now, I said earlier, I said work's not a four-letter word. But I think some of us really believe work is. And sometimes I think in the church world, we get the idea that work is the result of the fall. That if Adam and Eve wouldn't have messed up, they wouldn't have messed up a good thing in the garden where they sat around with God in the cool of the day um, that God would have just let us live in the garden and we'd all be fine and no one would have to get to work. That Adam and Eve sinned and God kicked them out of the garden and therefore he said, now by the what? The sweat of your brow, you will eke out an existence. And they said, it's all Adam and Eve's fault. Well, friends, I hate to tell you something today, but work existed before the fall of man. God worked to create the world, but it even existed in humanity before that. Adam worked in the garden. Labor is a good thing. Now I want to tell you the Mark Larson version of how I think life in the garden went. And I think it went something like this. I think God came to Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, Look, you have talent and you have ability. I see good things in you. But you know what you need? You need a challenge in your life. So I'm going to give you the challenge of work. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to organize the garden. I want you to name the animals. I want you to use your skills. And in in doing these things, you're going to bring what? You're going to bring glory to me, to God. You're going to develop your abilities. And you're going to experience the joy and the pride of accomplishment. Because those things happen through work. Work brings glory to God. Work develops our abilities. Work provides the joy of accomplishment. And friends, work is the way we provide for ourselves, And God uses us to provide for others. So I think that we need to develop a healthy opinion of work. Now I have found that a lot of people um, don't understand that. I was raised not understanding that. 
I was raised with a view of work that maybe some of you have. This is the view of work that I was raised with. That work is something that you endure for 40 or 60 hours a week in order to earn the money to buy the things that you want to buy and to do the things that you want to do. Anybody else raised like that? Works is a thing you endure. You just do it, you get through it, and you work hard, but you know what? Nothing about enjoying it, nothing about finding fulfillment in it. That work is just a means to an end. You punch the clock, you do the job, you get the paycheck, and then you leave work. You know? You go out for the weekend, and the weekend's life. Four days, five days a week's not life. Two days a week was life. That's the way I was raised. The weekend, you live for the weekend. Well, you know what? I don't think that's a very healthy view of work. Especially since we spend almost all our waking hours working. So, I also don't think it's a very biblical view of what work is. So, what I want us to do for the rest of our time together is I want us to look at just one scripture that gives us some guidelines about work. Grab your Bibles, turn with you to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse. Kids, grab your Bibles. You know where you find Colossians? You Bible quizzes can find it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. That's how I remember it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. All you kids, everybody under 15 years old, say General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how you remember it. So, Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse 23. Not starting, just that one verse. It says this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Stop right there. One verse. Whatever you do, find in Colossians, Colossians 3. You know what? Nothing makes me happier in church than waiting for people to find a chapter and verse in the Bible. It's probably my favorite thing about preaching. It drives me crazy when everybody can find the verses faster than me because it means you all been saved longer than me. It makes me happy when we got to try to try to find it because that means that sometimes this book is just brand new to you. So what Colossians chapter 3 verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Let's think about this verse today for the rest of our time. The first thing that I see in this verse is that it says that we are to work. That work is not an option. Now, let me clarify that for a minute. I know that some of you are working in the home and you're raising children or you're caring for family and I want to tell you, in my opinion, that's about the most fantastic, awesome work anybody can do on the planet. Matter of fact, I I apologize for our culture, primarily ladies, some men, but I apologize for a culture that says that if you stay at home and raise kids and care for your family, you're not working. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I would trade, I'd go to work any day doing anything, and I've done lots of jobs, over trying to take care of a couple of screaming babies at home. I don't know how you ladies do it, but I want to tell you something. That is work. And I know some of you are working that way. And if you feel in any way like you are not fulfilling something in this world, I'm telling you, you are fulfilling a needed thing in this world. And without great moms at home, and I know some dads are are doing the same thing, then we might as well just cash it in because we're not going to make it. I'm telling you, it's all about that. So that's work. So that qualification. Also, I also understand that due to our economy, some people are looking for work. And I know there's nothing harder 
for a man or a woman, but especially for a man, then he's unemployed or underemployed. And I in no way intend to try to make you feel bad today. I just want you to understand where economies will change. What did, what did Pastor Bruce say? God doesn't, God's not affected by economies. I believe God's going to bring blessing into your life. So, some of you are looking for work. Some others, due to maybe injury or health reasons, aren't working right now. And some of you are volunteering your services, and that's wonderful. Matter of fact, the church world can't function unless people volunteer their services. Those are all great things, but for all the rest of us, guess what? We get to go to work. We get to go to work. And my question that we need to think about today is, are we taking seriously God's command to work? Are we taking seriously God's command to identify our unique skills and our unique interests and to find a place where they can be used to produce something that we in turn then get paid for? Are we doing that? You see, God did not create us to just sit. And sometimes we think that. God just created us to sit around. They think we're going to go to heaven, sit in a cloud playing a harp. I don't get it. If that's what it is, you know what? I'm not all excited about it. The Bible doesn't say that's what heaven's all about. God's going to give us work in heaven. I absolutely believe that we're going to have things to do in heaven. God didn't create us to just sit around. He created us to, uh, to be occupied with work. In fact, Scripture says in 2 Thessalonians, it says, If anyone will not work, neither let him what? Eat. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat, it says. So God says He expects His people to be working. You know what? And the Apostle Paul wrote that to the church in Thessalonica because the, some people in the church were leading lives, it says, that were undisciplined, and they weren't working at all, and they were said they were acting like busybodies. They're just sitting around. Remember what he said to, to widows that when they were young? He said, you know what? Get married, have kids. Otherwise, you become busybodies. He looked at those people in this church and he said, guess what? Get working or you're going to sit around and be bored. You know the old, say, the old saying that idle hands are the devil's tools? There's something to that. He expects us to be occupied with work. You know, So Paul commanded those people to work and then to eat the food they earned with their own money. And friends, that's what he tells us to also. You know, And I think as a whole... In our culture, especially us Midwesterners, um, us, us basically primarily European descent people, that and not that it matters what descent you are, but this part of the country has known, and I've lived all around the country and all around the world, and I'll say this is true by experience, that people in this part of the country, that we are known for having a good work ethic. And you know what? We need to maintain that. And the reason I say that is this, because in our culture, it's being challenged. And there is, for the last number of years, maybe at least a whole generation, this pervasive thought that's coming through our culture that we call you know, entitlement thinking that says, I don't need to work, that everybody owes me something. You want to know something? No one owes you anything. No one owes you a thing. You know, I don't say there's no free lunches. There are no free lunches. There aren't any. If you're not paying for it, somebody else went to work to earn it for you. You know what? And we live in a culture that is starting to tell us very broadly that you don't really need to work to get anything. I'm here to tell you that's not what God has to say. God has to say that His children should be working. You know, we said there's some reasons why you might not be working to earn an income. Maybe you're in the home. Maybe you had problems. Maybe you lost your job. But otherwise, we should be working. You know, we should be working for what we have. Um, Parents, teach your children this Teach your kids that work is good. Now, am I so naive as to believe that work is fun all the time? It absolutely is not. 
But just because something's not fun doesn't mean it's not good. Teach your kids that work is good. Kids, work is good. Sitting around on your, on your backside is boring. It doesn't accomplish anything. You might think it sounds like fun, but it really isn't. God gave us, He created us to be people who work. And young people, let me give you some advice today about work. Guess what? You know, you, you, look, you look forward right now and you look at life and you say, you know, Pastor Mark, you're so old. You're 45 years old. You're so, you're ancient. You got gray hair on the sides of your head. That's why I keep it cut short so you can't see it. Um, but you want to know something? I'm not that old. I was your age yesterday. I felt like you yesterday. Inside my head, I still feel like I'm you. But you know what? Here's the, what I've learned in, in these 45 short years. You will spend 30 to 50 years of your life working. You're going to spend the bulk of your life, kids, working a job. Some people are starting to groan right now. 30 to 50 years of your life. And my encouragement to you young people is this, and for all of us, ask God what He wants you to do. Ask God what kind of employment He wants you to do. Search out what you are uniquely gifted to do so that when you do work, you are doing something that you're good at, that you feel good about doing. Think about what interests you have and try to find a a career path that lines up with those interests and then get whatever education or training you need to accomplish that. You know, I was raised in a home where I'm the only person in my family's history to ever get a college degree. Nobody went to college. Because it was very hung on the wall. Just get a job. You know what? I was for some reason a little bit different. And I thought about it and I thought, wait a minute. I'm going to spend my entire job, my entire life working. And I can just invest like four or five, six years of my life right now. And it can prepare me to do something later that I might enjoy. I thought that seems like a pretty good investment. Kids understand it is a good investment. Here's the, here's the tension you're going to have. You're going to get some some job coming out of school and somebody's going to offer you some money and you go, oh man, i got to buy that new this. i got to get that car. i got to do these things. And understand, don't say nothing bad with them. But don't let it sidetrack you from what God wants to do in your life. You know what? Figure out who God made you to be. Figure out what God gifted you to do. And figure out what you enjoy doing and then get whatever education or training you need and then get to work. And you know what? When you get to work, take Jesus into the workplace. You know what? One of the reasons God wants you to work? It's not because He couldn't just snap His fingers and have it all done. He could. You know why? Because God loves people. And guess what happens when you go into the workplace? You rub shoulders with other people. You got a coworker next to you. You got a, a boss that talks to you. And you know why God sent you to that place? Because He wants you to tell that person about Jesus. So get to work and take Jesus into the marketplace. So that's the first thing about work, that we're just supposed to work. The second thing is this. And from our text in, uh, that we just read, the second thing it says that we should, how should we work? We should work heartily. What's that mean? Heartily. Work hard. Work diligently. Work heartily. You know, when we work, we should, so saying we had in high school, give it all you got. They still say that? Give it all you got? No? Okay. Well, I'm telling you, give it all you got. When you work, you should give it all you got. We are to be people who should work hard. And friends, it doesn't matter what kind of a job you have, white collar or blue collar, we are all to be hard workers. Now, I have worked about every kind of imaginable job on the planet. I have milked cows. 
I've caught and crated tens of thousands of chickens. How'd you like that job when I was in high school? I caught and crated tens of thousands of chickens. My mom would not let us, me and my brother bring our clothes into the house. It stunk so bad. Um, we had to get dressed, undressed outside. Didn't matter how cold it was. We had to get dressed outside. She wouldn't let us bring our clothes in the house. I had wheeled concrete when I was in college. Thrown concrete blocks till I thought my arms were going to fall off. I have run punch presses. I have run for six of my years of my life. I ran a printing press um, at Saragraph. I have sold insurance. I have sold securities. I have pastored and planted churches. I've done just about everything. And you know what I found in all of these things? A simple rule about work. Hard work pays off. Hard work pays off. Employers generally promote and reward people who work hard. Now, we have some people in here who are business owners. And you know what they would tell you? That employers have incredibly great value for employees who work hard. That when you have a hardworking employee, they are incredibly valuable to you because you get a whole bunch that don't work very hard. And friends, that's how God wants us, his children, to represent him in the workplace. That when we go to work, we should work heartily. Some of you are doing jobs right now, adults. You're doing jobs right now, and they're not real meaningful to you. You don't really enjoy them, and I understand that. No matter if we enjoy it or not, God wants us to represent him well in the workplace. And we really should work hard at whatever we do because we're representing him wherever we go. And that starts in, the work, starts in the home, but it transitions into workplace. That makes sense? So we work and we work heartily. And the last thing we do is this. It brings us to this last point. Our scripture says this. We are to work heartily how? As unto the Lord. We work hardly as unto the Lord. Friends, the reason that we work hard isn't just just so our earthly boss will be happy. It's not just to earn a paycheck. But the real reason, he says, the Apostle Paul says we're to work hardly is because we, by doing it, we bring honor to our Lord. And friends, really, when we work, we've got to understand something. We are working for Him. And I want to share with you, because I've worked all these different kinds of jobs. This has been one of the greatest helps to me in my entire life when I've worked whatever job, whether I'm pastoring or I'm running a punch press. Because every job has things you don't like about it. You know what? And I think I've had some of the meanest bosses anyone could ever have on the planet of the world. I think God put them in my path on purpose. Guys that I thought just were going to kill me. You know what? And I have so many times in those work situations that I couldn't stand, felt like I either just wanted to slack off or walk off. I'm just going to walk off this job. I hate it, but i got responsibility. I can't. So I'm just going to go hide in the back room and not get anything done. You know what? God has showed me that I'm not working for a person. I might have a human boss, and we all do, but I'm not working for a person. I'm ultimately working for him. And friends, we want to do our absolute best for Jesus. You know what? When you are at work, ask yourself a question. If Jesus was my supervisor, would I work any differently? Kids who are in school, you know what your job is? Your primary job? Your job is to be a student. That's your job. That came to roost with some good friends of ours who's done the best job of parenting their children of any family I know. And 
Their one son was always slacking off in school. Mom met him at the front door one time, grabbed him by the ear when he walked in the door, dragged him through the house out to the backyard, pulled a switch, I think he was in high school at the time, pulled a stick off of a tree, spanked his butt with the stick, and took him back in the house, showed him his report card, and said, I do my job, you need to start doing yours. Now, I'm not advocating doing that, but those kids are the best well-educated, godly, happy family I've ever met in my entire life. And what this lady, Jeanette, taught me is that my kid's job is to go to school. You know what? That is your job. And we are, what you're doing, what, how would you act any differently if you're working for your report card because you're doing it for Jesus? Would you work in your career any differently if you really thought about the fact that your supervisor is really Jesus? Work as though Jesus is your supervisor because he really is. And I just guarantee you, this will help you through the hard days and prompt you to always do your best. So how are we to work? We are to work, we're to work heartily, and we're to work heartily as unto the Lord. Let's wrap this thing up. God created you and me to be people who work and work hard. Christians, we should be the best employees any company has ever had in their entire employment because our boss is not just that human person who is our boss, but it's also our boss is God. And friends, we need to thank God for the jobs and the work that he's given us. Because it's as a result of those jobs that we earn money and then we can learn to be financially free. And over the next couple of weeks, three more weeks, we are going to get more specific about financial principles and ways to achieve financial freedom. And I'm going to tell you, you want to be here for it. Because I believe God wants us as a church to live in financial freedom. Now we're going to end our service a little different than normal. I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's our family service. And again, some of you maybe are here by yourself or some of you, you know... Um, you know, don't have children, that's okay. Family, we're the family of God. Some of you have a friend sitting next to you. Some of you maybe feel alone. There's somebody next to you who wants to be your friend. And we're going to end our service a little different. Suzanne's going to come up and just lead about one or two songs on the keyboard, and then I think we're going to go, or just play, and then we're going to just turn on a music tape. Because guess what? I don't even know this, but I've got a family too. <laughs> and we're going to pray together. And we're going to end our service by praying together. And here's the thing, some of the things I want you to be praying about as a family. If you have children with you, parents, I want you to take time to pray with your kids about what God has for their future. I want you to be taking time, you're going to be praying with your kids. For some of you, this is going to be uncomfortable because you're not in a habit of praying as a family. I'm hoping this begins a habit of praying with your family. And I want you, dads, take some lead here. I want you to pray that God will direct your kids towards their future and what God has for them in their future. As a family also, I want you to thank God together for the jobs that He has provided for you. If mom works, dad works, whoever works, thank God for the jobs He's provided for you because oftentimes our jobs get blamed for an awful lot of stuff. You know, dad's not home because he's working. Well, guess what? If dad wasn't working, you wouldn't have a house to live in. Right? Mom wasn't working, you wouldn't have a house to live in. And so we often criticize our jobs, but I want you to take time to thank God for the jobs you have. Some of you, your jobs are precarious right now. Thank God for what you have. Some of you then need to take another step. 
You need to, some of you are in a really tough spot right now because jobs are ending or jobs have ended or jobs are precarious. As a family, I want you to pray together that job will, that God will give you the jobs you need. If there's a needed job in your family, if somebody's laid off or needs a job, pray for the job that you need as a family. And then I want you to pray this last thing. And you can pray whatever else you want to. And if there's other needs in your family, you've got health issues or, or anything else, pray for those things. But the topic we're thinking about today is praying as a family, thanking God for our work and our jobs and where our kids are going to end up and, and how we're going to provide. And the last thing is this, pray that you could become missionaries in your workplace. And remember kids, where's your workplace? School. That you can become missionaries in your workplace and for kids, that's your school. So adults, it's your job. Kids, it's school. I want you to be praying together that you can be sent out as missionaries into your workplace because that's why God sends us to work so we can make a difference. Now you can obviously pray for anything else you want and when you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, I'm encouraging you to quietly make your way out of the sanctuary. And I know some of you have young kids and, and you know you do what you need to do, but some of you want to come to the altar, you can do that. Some of you want to just stay in your chair. If you want to walk out in the fellowship hall and pray, I don't care. But let's just gather as our families and let's begin to pray. Pray about these things. Your kids' future. Thank God for your fam, for your jobs. If you need a job, pray for a new job. And pray that you'll be missionaries to your workplace, to your jobs, your schools. So let's begin to just go to gather together. Feel free to stand together. I'm going to close in prayer. And then I'm going to encourage you to find your family or someone else. If you're by yourself or a couple, pray with another couple. And let's just begin or close our service by praying. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your word is very practical and that your very practical word gives us clear instructions about work. God, I pray this for this congregation. I pray that we would achieve financial freedom and that it would happen, Lord, uh, by your touch. And one of the ways you would touch us is you'd give us great jobs where we could be great influencers as we work for you. And Father, I pray today that our young people would grow up and find where they fit. And God, you would use them for your glory. And that, Lord God, they would find fulfillment and joy as they work heartily as unto you. So Father, now we commit ourselves to just praying as families. And pray, God, you'd flow through us right now. Holy Spirit, flow through us. I've sensed your presence from the moment I came in this building today. Flow through us as families and help us to bind, be bound together as we learn to pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we commit our families into your hands. In the name of Jesus, let's pray, friends.